Matthew chapter 1 is our scripture lesson for today, starting in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. As I have been living once again with the characters of the Christmas story. And it's amazing. Uh, I've been preaching Christmas for, I guess, over four decades now. But there's always something new. And, and I pray that for us, that, you know, we're, we're so familiar with the Christmas story that if we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, and then this, and then angels, and then shepherds. And, and, and if we're not careful, uh, we almost become numb to it. But as I've been living with these characters over the last few weeks in preparation for this series, the thought that has come bubbling up to the surface is this. How seriously their faith was tested through the events leading up to the first Christmas. The Christmas story is filled with people who kept on trusting God even when their world was turned upside down. And, and it hit me, you know, we, their faith was probably a little different than ours, obviously, because their faith was anticipating, looking forward to the Messiah. Our faith is looking back to the Messiah. But their faith, at whatever level it was in their lives, was severely tested during the events that we celebrate this month. And so I'm entitling this series, Christmas Faith, How to Keep Trusting, you know, and then the ellipsis, the three dots. You, you know, when you get a text message from somebody and they're slow and you get those little three dots, means there's more to come. This morning, we're going to begin with Joseph. And we're going to talk about how to keep trusting when you're confused. Now, the NIV says that Mary was pledged to be Joseph. The King James uses the word espoused, but was talking about a stage in the Jewish marriage process that we don't know anything about. We don't have anything like it. It was called betrothal, or being espoused to one another. And typically, this stage lasted about a year. Now, sometimes you'll hear people say, well, that was like our engagement. It was much, much more than our engagement. They were considered legally married in every way except their physical relationship. And in order to break off a betrothal, 
you actually had to go through the process of getting divorced. So it wasn't as simple as saying, maybe I, this isn't going to work out, here's your ring back, you know, it, or give me my ring back. You know, it, it was much more serious than that. And so this is where Mary and Joseph are in their relationship. They are betrothed to one another. They are going to have to get a divorce if they decide that they can't go on with their marriage. One of the things that always hits me at Christmas time is how we, 2,000 years on this side of it, sanitize the story and Hallmark movie the story. You know, it's almost like, and now the snow is going to come down and everybody lived happily ever after. Man, when you read the story, and, and don't transport the story up to us. Transport yourself back to the story. This was earth-shaking. <laughs> this was faith-shattering. So use your imagination here. Mary and Joseph, very much in love, probably counting down the days until their wedding, but something happens. Joseph notices that Mary seems to be getting a little distant. Now, none of this is in the Bible, but again, transport yourself back if you were going through this. Used to be Mary came by the carpenter shop two or three times a day just to check in, bring him lunch or whatever. Now it's like she's not coming by. When he sees her, it's kind of hard to tell, you know, with the loose robes that they wore, but maybe she's putting on a little bit of weight, but she's just not herself. And, and, and he's saying, something's going on and she keeps making excuses. Well, I'm not feeling well and... So finally, he talks to one of her, his friends, who is friends with one of her friends, you know how that went, and said, can you find out what's going on? And again, none of this is in the Bible, but you know, human nature, I, I, I don't have any problem believing something like this happened. But then one day, Mary steps by, and she stops by the shop, and she says those words every man loves to hear, honey, we need to talk. Have you ever thought about what that conversation would have been? They had to have had it. Joe, honey, I love you. You know I would never do anything to hurt you. But I'm pregnant. No, no, let me finish. Let me finish. I'm still a virgin. I've been faithful to you. But an angel came and told me I have been chosen to be the mother of Jesus, the Messiah. The Father is God. And Joseph said, yes, I knew it. And no, he didn't. <laughs> Would you have believed her? Or have you been thrown into incredible confusion? Yeah, sure, right. What a story this is. Joseph goes home. I, I kind of have an idea. He put a sign up outside his carpenter shop, closed till further notice, because he had some thinking to do. I got to work through this. And he goes over his options. And this is biblical. 
That first part is how I imagine it would have been. This part is biblical. Joseph held all the cards because there was provision in Jewish law for a situation like this. Deuteronomy 22. He could have taken her to the town gate and had her stoned for immorality. But the Bible says, the King James says he was a righteous man. The NIV says he was faithful to the law, but he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. There was another way. The law gave a provision that if you didn't want to take her to the town square and stone her to death, he could take two witnesses, write out that bill of divorce that he had to do legally, and go to her privately and tell her we're getting divorced. This is what he decided to do. And, and the, uh, the King James says something like, while he was thinking about this, He's going through this thought process, but he has already decided, I'm not going to embarrass her. I'm not going to humiliate her and her family. I'm going to take care of this privately. I'm going to get the two witnesses. I'm going to write out the bill of divorce. I'm just going to go to her privately and we'll settle it. She can disappear for a while if she needs to or go visit somebody or do whatever it is that she needs to do in the meantime, but I'm going to take care of this privately. And what you have to admire about Joseph is that he had made that decision before he knew she was telling him the truth. He didn't wait to hear from the angels. Okay, I'm gonna, no, he was a he was a good guy, and he had already decided, I'm going to take care of this privately. And instead of asking, how is this going to affect me? It seems like he was asking, how is this going to affect Mary? And I don't want to embarrass her. And he had decided to do that before the angel comes. But then the angel shows up. After he'd considered all this, an angel appears to him in a dream and says, she's telling you the truth. I don't know how righteous Joseph was. The Bible says he was righteous. But I, I, I have a hard time believing that when she initially tells him what's going on, he says, of course. You're the virgin that Isaiah talked about in chapter 7. And, and, and you're going to give birth to Emmanuel. And, and we're going to go to Bethlehem because that's where the Messiah is going to be born. Oh, yes, it all makes perfect sense. I don't think that happened. Now, it may have, and, and when I get to heaven, Joseph is free to correct me. It was like, no, it didn't happen that way at all, Wilson. But you, you got to think that he's confused. His dreams are shattered. I, I doubt he was in a real excited frame of mind. He's confused. I have run into a lot of people over the last while that are right there, confused. Their world's been turned upside down. The dreams they started with are shattered. They're totally trying to figure out how to make sense of what's going on in their world. They've been down so long they don't even know which way is up. Well, the good news in this story 
is that God has a word for Joseph in his confusion, and he has a word for us today in our confusion. How do you keep trusting God when things aren't making sense and you're confused? First, maintain your faith in God. And it seems to me, when you're confused, when your dreams are shattered, when the apple cart's been turned upside down, whatever phrase you use, if we're not careful, our faith starts to weaken. And it's kind of like, God, why are you allowing this to happen? What in the world is going on? You have to think Joseph initially had to have some of those thoughts. I'm, I've been a good man. I have kept the law. And now here I am, good old Joe, doing everything God told me to do. And look what it gets me. <laughs> I, I think Job probably had some of that. You know, I, I'm doing good. You know, the Bible calls it perfect. And then all this is happening. That's when it's hard sometimes to keep our faith. Is when everything is turned upside down. It's not turning out the way we thought it would. It's not turning out the way we had written it out in our 10-year plan. And, and we're totally confused. But he maintains his faith in God. The NIV says he was faithful to the law. That's key. When you're confused... One of the first things to do is check your obedience. Am I doing what God has shown me to do? To maintain your faith, you have to maintain your obedience. Because faith is what you do. Faith is obedience. And, and sometimes what happens is when we're confused... We're begging God for help, and he's sitting up in heaven, tapping his feet, saying, you know, when you get around to doing what I've already showed you to do, I'll show you the next step. But you got to do what I've already showed you to do. And Joseph is doing what God had shown him to do. He was faithful to the law. The King James says he was a righteous man. He was doing what he knew to do. When you're confused, you've got to go back to what you know God has shown you to do and check your obedience. Because if in our confusion, if we're not careful, we'll let things slip. And we won't be obedient to what God has shown us to do. And then the confusion just multiplies. So in times of confusion, start with, Am I being obedient? Maintain your faith in God. Second, to do that, you have to be sensitive to God. If you've lived very long following the Lord, you know that there are times when your spiritual antenna are up and you're getting a clear signal and you know that yeah, I'm doing what God's called me to do. But there are other times when all you get is static. Now, I'm going to talk about something now that younger people will not understand. And that is when your car had a radio that had knobs 
that you had to turn to get to the right station. And in the old days, it was only AM. F, man, if you had an AM FM radio, you had spent a lot of money on that vehicle. But this was AM, you know, and you had to turn it. And uh, I grew up up north, as you know, and there was a station up. They used to have what they called clear channel stations. KDKA in Pittsburgh was one of those. How I remember that, I don't know. But that's how, that's how I listened to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, but KDKA was a clear channel, which meant that was the only station on that particular band. And so as long as your vehicle, you know, the radio was strong enough to pick up the signal, you could hear KDKA pretty much wherever you were. Most stations weren't like that. You know, you'd have it set, and, and as you left their range, you'd start getting static, and then all of a sudden you'd hear, that's not what I was listening to. But in AM radio, they had static. And then you had to decide, do I like that song well enough to listen to it over the static, you know, or am I going to go try to get something that's clearer? But even though you don't know about static on an AM radio, you probably know about static when you're trying to hear from God. Because there are times when all we get is static. And it's like, I cannot hear God clearly. There are several times when that's more apt to happen. One is when you've already made your own plans. You know, when you've already made your own plans, it's hard even for God to get through to you. And what we do is we praise, oh God, today I'm going to do this and this and this and this. And oh, oh, by the way, it'd be nice if you'd bless what I've decided to do today. You know, when you've already made up your own plans, sometimes it's hard to hear the voice of God because you're so wrapped up in your own plans. It's hard to be sensitive to God when you're emotionally involved with the situation. That's why the Bible talks about a multitude of counselors being wisdom. We need people in our lives who can say to us, are you totally deranged? What are you thinking? That is not God. You know, we need people in our lives to be able to tell us that because when you get emotionally wrapped up in a situation, it's hard to hear clearly from God. God gets blamed for a lot of things that he doesn't have anything to do with. It's because you didn't get enough sleep or it's because your blood sugar's out of whack or something, you know, and, and you say, oh, God told me. Well, when did he tell you this? I'd been fasting for 40 days and I hadn't slept for three weeks. I'm not quite sure that was God telling you that. Your system's messed up. You know, God gets blamed for a lot of things that, that aren't his fault. But when you're emotionally wrapped up, it's hard to hear clearly the voice of God. When risk is involved, it's hard to hear God's voice clearly because our fear is like, uh-uh, I don't want to do that. God, that can't be you telling me to do that. I remember when we um, started Open Door, Donna said, are you sure? You know, it's not like you. Are you sure? When God's plan doesn't make sense, it's hard to get a clear word from God because you're, you're arguing with him because God, that doesn't make any sense at all. Or when other people won't understand, it's hard to hear clearly from God because you're thinking about how am I going to explain this to them? All these things were true with Joseph. He'd made his own plans. He was certainly emotionally involved. Risk was involved. It didn't make sense. Other people surely weren't going to understand. But he was willing to change his plan at God's word. 
The question is, am I willing to do that? Now, the way you develop sensitivity to God, get ready to write down something really profound here. The way to develop sensitivity to God is to spend time with Him. You learn to recognize His voice as you spend time listening to Him. You don't develop sensitivity to God by never having any communication with Him. And you need to spend time just listening. Lord, what's the next step for me? In my spiritual development, what's the next step? As a parent, what's the next step? As a spouse, what's the next step? In my job, what's the next step? As I try to witness to that person, what's the next step? In my schooling, in church, in this relationship, Lord, what's the next step? And then listen. <laughs> I remember one time when I was in the midst of how to trust God when you're confused. And I was just begging him, God. I mean, it was going to be, it was going to change. What, what decisions were made in those couple of months were going to change the direction of my life. And it was like, God, you got to show me what to do. You have to talk to me. God, you got to show me. God, you got to talk to me. God, what am I supposed to do? And I know God probably doesn't talk to you like this, but he talks to me like this. And he said, I said, God, you got to talk to me. God, you got to show me. And he said, if you'll just shut up for a minute, I will. <laughs> and that's, that's the truth. That, that's, the, that's the way I heard it in my spirit. If you'll just shut up for a minute, I will. Because sometimes we're so busy begging God for help that we can't hear him answer. Learn to listen. That's one of the hardest spiritual disciplines there is. Learning to listen to God. And if you don't think that's so, I challenge you. In your prayer time, by your clock or watch, take five minutes and not say anything to God and just listen for what he is saying to you. Every 30 seconds you'll be checking your watch to find out if the five minutes are up yet. Because it seems like that is the longest time. We have to learn to listen. Uh, there isn't there a verse in the Bible somewhere that said, be still and know that I'm God? That's hard to do. In the chaos and cacophony of our lives, it's hard to slow down, take the time, to listen. But then when you hear the word, if you're going to keep trusting when you're confused, you've got to obey what you know regardless of how you're feeling. Have you lived long enough to know, and not just spiritually, but in every area of life, it's one thing to know what you're supposed to do, it's another thing to do it. <laughs> and part of maturity as, as a human being, part of maturity as a believer and a follower of Christ is doing what's right, whether you feel like it or not. Because let's be real, a lot of times you're not going to feel like doing what's right. But you do what's right anyway. I'm sure that when Joseph woke up from that angel's visit, he was determined. You know, he'd already decided he was going to do take put her away privately now 
He's decided, I'm going to go through with this. And I'm not going to break it off. We're going to stay betrothed to each other. I'm going to end up marrying her. But oh my goodness, what am I going to say? I get to stay betrothed to a lady who's pregnant. Who's going around telling people that she's a virgin and the father is God. I mean, think about that. You know, and you know, from what we know, Mary was probably a teenager. And you know what teenagers are like? Yeah, right. Let me try that with my boyfriend. You know, God's the father. And Joseph, man, I can just hear the guys down at the carpenter shop. Dude, really? But he decided to do right regardless. That's a challenge. <laughs> when people look at you like you've lost your mind, but you know you're doing what God called you to do, that's tough. And if we're not careful, we'll allow people's opinions to cause us to compromise our obedience. But Joseph did right, regardless of his feelings, regardless of what it was going to cost him. And by the way, Obedience at this level is hard when you haven't heard from God for a while. You know, when, when a lot of times when we're confused, it's because for whatever reason, we haven't heard clearly from God for a while. It's like our prayers haven't got to the ceiling and, and the Bible, everything we read seems to be dull and doesn't speak to us. And, and, and you're not hearing a fresh word from God. You know, you listen to worship music and he's ah, oh, just change the channel. You know, and, and you're going through that period of confusion. It's hard to stay obedient. And in those times, I heard somebody say this one time and I have adopted it because I think it's a good word. When you haven't heard a fresh word from God, it's a good policy to follow the last word that you heard. You know what God told you six months ago. Are you still doing that? Or have you decided the, you know, the time limit is over on that and that word has expired? No, keep doing the last word you heard. And I think it's appropriate to say to God, God, this is the last thing that I can hear clearly that you have said to me. And so I'm going to keep doing that until you tell me to stop or you tell me to start doing something else. I'm going to keep doing it. And by the way, if you're confused about God's will in a specific situation, please know that you do know God's will in a lot of your life. You know what God's will is about the kind of spouse you are. You know what God's will is about the kind of parent or child you are. You know what God's will is on how you treat people at work. You know what God's will is as far as how you do your job. We know God's will about those things. Keep doing that. And keep doing what you do know to do. Stay obedient to what you know. And eventually, you'll hear again. But keep doing what you know need to do. At a different season in our ministry, 
there were times where as a pastor I would just say you know I've got to get some clarity from God on where we go next you know as a, as a church the decisions we had to make and so on and I'd take some time off and there would be somebody that had a house at the lake or something say, you can go sit on the back porch and and I'd go up there and I would take back that was back before cell phones and stuff so I'd take a legal pad and and uh just said, God, you know, give me, and, I, and I'd write down what I thought I heard him say. And, you know, maybe six months later, I said, man, I got to get back to the lake. I got to hear something clear. And usually the first thing that I would do would be go back and look at the notes that I'd made the last time. <laughs> and I was disappointed at how many times I read what he had told me six months earlier and I hadn't finished doing that yet and what the word I would get would be I've already told you what to do when you get around to doing that then I'll show you what's next and I'll never forget I hope I never forget one of those trips and I'm sitting there and I look over my notes I've done it all and God gave me fresh insight because I'd finally done what he'd already told me to do. And I'm not talking about stop sending. You know, I'm, I'm talking about you know, decisions and those kind of things. And in our lives, what was the last word you heard from him? Have you been faithful in doing that? Because as long as you're still hesitant about doing what he's already told you to do, the confusion's going to stay there. Because the scripture says his word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. Those words, lamp and light, have to do with, in those days, before battery-operated flashlights and big torches, they would have attached to their sandals a little candle. And it was called a foot lamp. And they would light it. And that is how they got enough light to know to take the next step. Didn't show them 100 yards down the road. It showed them the next step. And God typically gives us enough information to take the next step. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to know where it's going to end up in 10 years. God says, no, you just take the next step. So obey what you know. And if you're confused and you can't seem to get a fresh word from God, I just encourage you to go back to the last word you heard and make sure you're being obedient in that. And when you're confused, care about others. Typically when we're confused, we tend to pull in because other people just confuse us more. As I said, Joseph had already decided that he was going to you know, take care of this privately. But then when the angel says, she's telling you the truth, he takes her home as his wife. Okay, we're going to do this together. But when we're confused, if we're not careful, it's easy to get very self-centered. And sometimes the way out of confusion is to get involved helping someone else. Because they're probably more confused than you are. 
don't get self-centered. Somebody said people all wrapped up in themselves make very small packages. And I just encourage you, like, if December's a hard month for you, and I know that it is for a lot of people, but if December's a hard month for you, let me encourage you to make this a time that you reach out to other people. And instead of focusing on what you've lost, and there's been a lot of loss the last two or three years, but instead of focusing on what you've lost, focus on what you have left. Focus on his blessings. Focus on what you do have. Don't focus on what you've lost. Focus on what you have left. I think one of the greatest gifts God ever gave Mary was Joseph. <laughs> what a good guy. What a good man. And what an example to us to keep trusting God when things have been turned upside down. And we're totally confused. So I want to give you some, how do I need to respond to this? Maybe you need to focus on building your faith by spending more time in the Word, more time with people of faith. Maybe you need to try to build into your life the spiritual discipline of learning to listen to God. That part of praying is listening. Because prayer is not a monologue. It's supposed to be a conversation. And if we never quiet down and let God speak, we'll never hear. Maybe you need to check your obedience. Maybe just as you've been sitting there, as you've been watching or listening, it's like, oh man, I know God told me to deal with this. I need to do it. And maybe it's early in December. Maybe you should make a list of two or three people that you're going to try to reach out to this month, that you're going to care for them somehow. Maybe just, you know, I don't know, take them some baked goods or send them an email or, you know, just some way to reach outside of your confusion to minister and care for someone else. You'll be surprised at the difference that'll make. I remember reading of a, a he was not a believer, but he, he was an expert in mental health. And, and he said, if you feel a mental breakdown coming, the healthiest thing for you to do is go find somebody else to help. Wow. He's not even a Christian, and he knows that's what the Bible says. Reach out and minister and care for someone else. Don't, if, if this is a tough month for you, and, and the confusion's already starting to settle in, don't let it overtake you. Make sure you're staying obedient to God, and then reach out and try to encourage someone else. You might be surprised how much that means to them, and you might be surprised how much it helps you. Father, thank you again for the story of Christmas. And thank you that, that we know these were real people living real lives with real people around them. And they faced some real challenges. Thank you for Joseph's example. Help us, Lord, to treat the people in our lives with kindness and, and understanding and patience as you have been patient with us and I pray that this month even though maybe we went into the month dreading it I pray that we'd be able to turn that around by maintaining our connection to you and then reaching out to encourage others doesn't have to be a big thing doesn't have to be a big money thing just a way of giving of ourselves to encourage someone else and may you be glorified through us as we do it.
And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine on you and give you his peace now and evermore. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being here today. You're dismissed.